everyone, welcome to Bookversations. We're your hosts, Sayed. And I'm Mahmouda. Join us as we have conversations inspired by books. This episode's conversation is inspired by Chinua Achebe's Antils of the Savannah. So, Ad, what is the book about? So, basically, Chris, Ikem, and Beatrice are three like-minded friends working under the military regime of His Excellency, the Sandhurst's educated president of Kangan, whose name is Sam. In the pressurised atmosphere of oppression and intimidation, they are simply trying to live and love and remain friends. But in a world where each day brings a new betrayal, hope is hard to cling onto. Okay, so what did we love about this book? I'd love for you to go first, because you introduced... Well, you made me read it. I know, I did. Me to read it anyway. um, I need to thank you <laughs> for introducing no, but I did thank you, the blessing excited. that is Chino Achebe into your life. Please, please, it's always been in my life. It's I know, but not this heels. particular book. I still stand by the fact that I don't think Things Fall Apart is his, favorite, is his best book. No, I don't think Things Fall Apart is his best book. Yeah. I think it's my favourite story, okay. Okay. but it's not his best book yeah. in my opinion. This one is my favourite Chino Achebe story. I love it though. And With how small it is, book. it's I mean, a my lot. Book. It is on. like, it's the gift that keeps on giving... I think this book just shows like how skilled he was as a storyteller. Like the reason why we have so much respect for Chino Achebe, this book demonstrates it so well. That's true. Like, I think everything has got it all. I think good writers, what you would notice if when you what notice when you read the book again and again, there's always layers and layers and layers of meaning, and it's timeless. Like you can always apply it to sometime in the past, sometime in the present, sometime yeah. in the future. Like some parts of it, anyway. Anyways, Karen, what else did you love about the book? Before I read Antes of Savannah, I really hate like tragic books i was like i just can't even really? go next to it. no i like really, you to be honest. yeah she doesn't I, read I genuinely books. hate it and this was the first book where i read it and it was tragic but i just felt a piece and i was like it's the way he writes the story though you just have to submit to the will of the writer in this kind of book <laughs> i appreciate the intelligence I, like there could have there couldn't have been any other ending to this book but i think like the really good thing is like despite all the tragedy there's a lot of humor in it like every single it chapter funny. it's funny like that laugh lie. out loud funny and i think part of his skill was he's a very what do you call it observant writer like he gets the tone of all of his it characters does. Does. so well and there's so many characters as well i would say if you haven't read any of chinachibi's book this is the one you should start with yeah okay that's yeah. true i'll give you that one that's true thank you very much <laughs> what else did you love about it the theme as well because i think like to write about politics in a way that's not overbearing is really hard like yes. i've read this one book and i've forgotten the name of the writer but honestly it felt like an essay and it was supposed to be a fiction and i just thought why are we I doing like books this like that where they're forcing <laughs> the ideas down your throat like, uh, no that's the thing because i feel like chino achebe was so smart in the way that he did stuff so subtle because he was still presenting his perspective on mm-hmm. Kim's speech but through his characters okay. and i think it's we're going to talk about it how like some of the characters mirrored a lot of like his life and his experiences mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i just thought to be able to do it and talk about politics and talk about the role of women in a way that it's like i still have a story that's there, enjoyable exactly but not overbearing that makes you think that's why he's amazing man i know so he's just like what a legend what it a is legend. like i feel like he opened doors to so many different ways of thinking about african fiction mm-hmm. since him i don't think it can ever be the same i mean there are people who have done it well as well but it's just he's like yeah he's icon, in like, he's in his only like league, basically like he created the field of his own anyway what's what did you love about the book oh man i can't believe first of all that it took so long to read it yeah to be yeah, honest man. because I started, when i first started reading i was like what i can't believe i've been waiting this long I and mean, it's so funny it's genuinely a unput down of a book genuinely because i remember i stopped somewhere because i was on the bus or something i was like no i can't stop i have to carry on reading i need to know what happened next basically so i really really loved it i enjoyed every single part of the story i thought it was very engaging it was humorous it's tragic obviously but like there's a balance in it being funny so mm-hmm. for example it character so when he's giving a speech at the university 
he doesn't want to be too funny, but he wants to be funny enough, mm-hmm. right? Such that he's still taken seriously. And that's also the tone that the novel has. Like, it's funny, but it's not too funny that you don't take some of the things that's been spoken about. Even though they're subtle, you still take them seriously. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good point, actually. What else? I think that Chino Chibi is the king of proverbs. <laughs> oh my God. There's so always many. proverbs. And it tells, like, all those folk tales in his stories. There's always a story from, like, you know how in the old days, our love, like, the forefathers would, like, tell, like, stories about the animal kingdom and, like, I don't know, the wind and the... Yeah. yeah. I had a lot of those in the story. I loved the scene with this. We you know where the people from Amazon gathered together mm-hmm. in the hotel and that man stood up and the old man was giving this speech and he told all these stories loved it and you know that scene where Ikem finally realises the flaw in his life yeah. and he goes to read his speech to Beatrice absolutely loved even the end with the naming ceremony loved and that, that old man and all and the mom praying. and everything it was so it so beautiful mm. basically I love how he always has, so, has some like old man featured in a lot of his stories because there's always that old man's wisdom mm. obviously as Africans they're really or well, as West Africans the Nigerians we really respect like the wisdom of the elders so that's what he portrays a lot in his stories yeah. anyway it features a what's it called a fictitious country yeah but we know basically that is Nigeria <laughs> but yeah we should get into the conversation Ta-da. definitely I'd rate this Four, actually, five out of five. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say, gonna say 4.95, and I was like, Why am I doing this? <laughs> just give it a five. Okay, before we get into the conversation point, we're just gonna explain like the storyline a little oh, yeah, bit that's more. True. Three, three men Chris, who is the minister of information in this like military regime, mm-hmm. you have Sam, who's like the head of state, essentially like a soldier, and then you His have excellency. His Excellency. <laughs> And then you got Ekem, who's a writer, but also like the editor of this national newspaper called the National Gazette. The Gazette yeah. And all three of them studied at this college called Sandhurst, and like they've known each other since like, 11, 14. Yeah, for a very long time. And I think part of like what the novel tries to explore is like the impact of colonization through education. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so all three of them um, are involved in this like government, and you get to see like through the story the, the impact pans has, out. Yeah, the government pans out and the impact on their own friendship. And then you got yes. another set of people who are involved with those three men so you've got Beatrice who's Chris's girlfriend and Kim's really good friend yeah and Kim's really good friend exactly um, Elewa who's Kim's girlfriend girlfriend right okay our first conversation point is about the job of the writer in society and I guess like the reason this book actually is a testament to the power of writing like when you think about it because the pen yeah power of the pen like these three main characters do die at the end of the novel but did this was this not the novel that Chino Chibi was arrested for was it this one or something no it was the one before it was the one before okay there was like quite a couple Anyway, so we're talking about the job of the writer and one of the one of the main characters in the book, Ikem, who's the editor of the National Gazette, essentially his writing and his voice is what leads to his death. Yeah, his writing contradicts like basically the government. I you know the funny thing about when you have a government, people most people would want to write what the government wants to hear, and especially because he's editing the national newspaper, yet he's obviously rebelling and like going on to write exactly what he thinks. Mm-hmm. And people don't like that. But I think that obviously that highlights the job of the, of the writer in the society. I remember I came across something where, because James Borden is someone who is known for write, like literally is someone who writes about what's going on around him fearlessly, like without caring what people are going to think or say. Mm. And he was saying how it's the job of the writer to make people aware of the political situation that the country is in, one way or the other, basically. Mm. And I think Ikem does that very well. 
when it comes to writing about the struggle of the people of Kangan. Yeah. And I loved how he was always writing for the oppressed. So the lower people in society, basically, which obviously would always be against the government because most of the people in the government used to be the wealthy people and most of the laws that were being made were favouring more of the wealthy people than it was favouring the poor people of the society anyways. But also, I feel like you should talk about the struggle of upholding your values. Like, when you're writing, do you think at the back of your mind, I don't want to offend somebody, so I should say this in a more subtle way? No, I mean, I was having this interview with someone, like, a while back for his dissertation, and he was, we were talking about, like, podcasting in general, and, like, the audience, because I didn't actually realise that 90% or 80% of the audience that listens to podcasts are white women, within a certain, like, age frame, I think 20 to 40 or whatever the age was. And he was asking me, because we were talking about the role of writing in terms of, like, connecting us and bridging gaps, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how, like, for him, it's really important that writing, like, you do you do write in a way that appeals to people. And I just thought to myself, yeah, no, literally, because I I really, really struggled answering that question. I just thought, uh, when I'm, like, writing... Sorry, for my blog. Wasn't that interview G? Is he black? Yeah, he is black. And I just thought when I'm writing for my blog, when I'm like doing this podcast, I'm not thinking to myself, a white woman somewhere in so whatever in Chelsea is going to be listening to this. So therefore, I'm going to present my view in a way that's palatable to her because quite frankly, I don't care. My only like responsibility <laughs> is to like present my story Speak in the way that is in. authentic to me. Mm-hmm. And then I was just telling him, I was like, I'm so tired of us having that responsibility of watering down. Not even just watering, but sometimes like, I feel like we constantly have to explain our humanity to people. I hate that. And that expectation, like, I get it. Because you just mentioned oh how, like, gosh. important writing is to explain, like, James Baldwin, to explain, like, the political situation. But then I was thinking, I was like, there's so many writers who have come before us who have consistently been saying the same mm-hmm. message. Mm-hmm. And That's people are not so getting true. it. Not even listening. <laughs> They're not even listening. Well, someone wrote an essay that counteracts the book and say, this guy is being oppressive or overly... So sometimes I just feel really disillusioned, even though I do think writing is really important. What do you think the job of the writer is, in your own words? I think the job of the writer is to create a new world. That's nice. Yeah, or to like invoke something in people's imagination that makes them think. At least my okay. favourite books are the ones that change the way that I see the world. That's or true. force me to reflect or come to terms with the hard truths, which I think in Kem's writing really helped him to see. Because when you think about <gasps> That's true, when his and misogynistic speech, views, yeah, and then he wrote that entire speech that's helped him change his views. So that's so true. Yeah, so, so true. I like the way that it was reflected in his story. What do you think the role of the writer is? I think what you said, but I also think that a writer should be able to write something that opens ground for conversation mm-hmm. so for example it might be just things that people would never think about so you should i feel like the writer should be able to be that person who sees things differently which we normally are because most writers tend to be very reflective people and if you take away a from a convers- conversation for example a writer might take away a b c d yeah and so you're basically using your writing as a means it doesn't have to be appealing to the world no it can only maybe even appeal to only a certain group of people and that's fine but it should just open ground for conversations and help people see things in a way that they probably would never think of things i've seen that in a lot books or I've learned that even with fiction like you would learn to have more empathy because you see how some people you probably would never meet in real life mm-hmm. or would never even have such a problem in real life but it helps you to see things differently you help someone would think a certain way because of what they've been through I think it's interesting because like sometimes you think about there's different kind of writers there's like people who write and like force you to think about things open the ground for conversation and then I think there are writers like Chino Achebe who not only like write but also have lived realities like his living like he wasn't just a writer that was like think 
think about slightly different. He was also an activist. When you think about the work that's that he true. did, I think that that Nigeria. should come. And that's why he was so dangerous. Well, I think that should come with writing. If you're writing, for example, to show and promote or to talk about your values, I and mean, maybe you write a book and it's fiction, but it's a fiction about this young Muslim girl who goes through, or young black Muslim who goes through the struggle of being black and Muslim. Are you just writing about it and just leaving it there? Mm. What else are you doing to carry the conversation? Because I know that writing is a good first step but we shouldn't just leave it at leave it at writing and i know people say it's not the writer's job to get people to take action but you for yourself especially because this is so important to you which is why you're writing about it mm. what are you doing to try to make things i don't know better ideas are powerful okay let's just give like a bit of background about achebe mm-hmm. so he was the founding director of voice of nigeria was it a newspaper or a radio show i've forgotten what was it bbc show it was hosting yeah i think so and sure. then like he was accused of being complicit in nigeria's first attempted coup which I thought oh my god that's a big thing can you imagine in that military but it was because he wrote that book that actually predicted what happened what would happen and, and that's a great insight for you to be able to write like that you know what's so interesting because today I started reading this book by James Baldwin yeah and I was reading the introduction and in that introduction they said James Baldwin was someone who would write something and it was literally predicting what happened in the future yeah. and it reminded me immediately of Chinua Achebe how he wrote a book and he's being arrested because they thought he actually was part of the people that planned the coup in Nigeria, like... I think that's very crazy. Yeah, no, but he must have been so in tune with the, like, the things that were happening that he was like. I think it's paid a lot of obvious. attention to what's going on around him, though, because you can live in a world and not even notice this mm-hmm. but he has paid attention to it and he's created a story out of it, and it actually happened. I think he's a very reflective person, in my opinion. Definitely, because sometimes when you're very reflective, you're able to foresee some things. Yeah, but you know what? Even amazing moves, even with the arrest and all that stuff, he still carried on writing. That didn't stop him from expressing his views. Yeah, and his opinions. There were times where he took breaks like even after he took Zawana, breaks but yeah. he came yeah, but he, he did took a while back. before he wrote that that's but true. he came back that's the most important thing though he didn't yeah. let that stop him because Maybe that's the, silence the voice exactly the that's writer. one of the worst things that can happen imagine be, having a very powerful writer who writes something that inspires conversation and makes people a lot very angry and then perhaps because of the reaction the writer just decides to never write again but I think also like when you think about it he was also quite lucky it's a lot of pressure because not even in the past and currently not every writer gets to live and survive the tale like yeah. Ken Sarawi were. I was thinking they could have killed they could have killed Chino Chibi. I was, like I was easily what's his name the Saudi journalist that we're talking about now yeah, he was killed true. essentially for his writing and you know the story in Purple Biscuits what's that guy's name Ade Kuka in Purple mm-hmm. Biscuits it's a fictional yeah, character exactly. but it's a, it's, it happened to someone for I don't remember who it was in, in real, real life, life I remember it happened that to someone and he had the underground newspaper but mm-hmm. he got killed for that as well so it's true not all writers I've, but then I feel like it's when you I think that's when you know that you're doing something right because the government's against you because you're speaking the truth. This is it's like Fela as well. Fela sang all those songs that attacked the government and they just did ridiculous things to yeah. him and his family. And again, they just don't like the government doesn't like being opposed. And I think it's the job of the writer. If you want to take it as your job, you mm. should try to do it well. I know there's a book, uh, there's a part in the book where it came was like, it's the job of the writer to give people headaches. And I think it's true because when you read the book, when you read a really good writing, even though it's fiction, non-fiction, even if it's an essay, it should allow you to start thinking differently. And obviously I understand what it means by headache. It's just stressful thinking, but important thinking. Yeah, well, like challenging. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like, a couple, okay, I think on that note, there's a quote in the book that says, storytellers are a threat. They threaten all champions of control. They frighten usurpers to the right of freedom 
freedom of the human spirit in state, in church or mosque, in party congress, in the university or what, wherever, that's why. It is only the story that can continue beyond the war and the warrior. It is the story that outlives the sound of war drums and the exploits of brave fighters. It is the story, not the others, that saves our progeny from blunder blundering like blind beggars into the spikes of the cactus fence. The story is our escort, without, without it we are blind. I was listening to, what do you call it, Cullum Institute's Hard work. Is that hard work? I forgot which one it was. I don't know if Murphy was doing it. He was talking about how like Allah is the ultimate historian. Like when you think about it, the Quran is like, a, Quran is like a book of stories. So God can be like, here you go, don't be stupid. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing that's not what he said but it just shows how powerful stories are and I think that you should tell your story if you have the opportunity to because no one can tell your story like you no, no one can have the same perspective as you like do justice to it in the same way that you would do at justice. all because I keep thinking imagine if you had a story in your head and then maybe you wrote this a few lines a summary and then you pass away or you write like a, you draw a skeleton in the story even if it's a detailed skeleton and someone else was to write your story I don't think it would ever be the way that you were going you would that's have written true, for it for sure basically. exactly like it would never be <laughs> back from a break now we're on to our second conversation point which is about the role of women in society right it's quite interesting because one of the main characters has a very interesting attitude towards women let me find the let me find the quote it says but really women don't feature too much in his schemes except as well comforters i think that's about the only chick in his revolutionary armor like in terms of just like the role that women are supposed to play in society or in this like in this case mm -hmm. in their political like reformation as they like changing the landscape of the society for the revolutionary man in this work to begin it with a lot of I don't you know if see. I would describe him as problematic because you know that night that he like Eloa came to his home mm -hmm. and he said in the middle of the night he decided after they'd had their relations after they <laughs> had sex that she should go back home but I understood his reasoning I liked but his then reasoning. I was just like but at the same time I was like are you okay like why can you like I don't know he communicated it to her properly but I, I understand why he would not want her to stay over and stuff but at the same time it sounded like some to say like it should respect it showed but respect other hand, it but it wasn't the respect you have for a partner it's like a respect you would have for someone that you see as lower than you exactly in my as opinion. a child yeah yeah, yeah. and that was what I, the problem i had with it i also find that you know in the story when you have the cabinet that works for his mm -hmm. excellency there's no females oh my god that didn't even cross my mind that there was no females that there the wasn't but in the way they treated him women at the time yeah it was like you would barely see women in such i mean you had like beatrice it was like the working with the finance but mm -hmm. she would not be in the top decision making but beatrice was like quite an interesting character in this book because i thought mm -hmm. i just literally i appreciate you know for writing the character of beatrice because she's someone to an extent that's really feminine but then she she's is. i love the what do you call it the comparison between her and Akem in that she's a woman in this novel but she's shown to be like every much his his equal is, like even in the way is. that they write in the way that she's vocal and she goes about things in a different way he came for he actually literally came to her for opinion yeah like for him to come up to women for someone who didn't like really see women as like important he came to her at the end and he was like i finally understand what you're saying mm -hmm. what you're telling me so you still needed that little bit of validation from beatrice yeah with all his views and all his up there about women i think chino chima did a very very good job so in, like, good. it was so subtle in the way he brought in the fact that women are no respect literally they're called the court of last resort so mm -hmm. after the world has died and all the troubles are over then you come to women and say what should i do or what should we do mm -hmm. basically and it was trying to say that that shouldn't be the case and he did it really well with um what's her name beatrice character for example how towards the end before all the tragedies that's happening she beatrice is the one that's telling them that you guys have gone and ruined the country she and she's been telling it. them for a long time that you people are going to 
really not. And exactly. Remember when she was telling Chris to forget his differences when we came and go speak to him because something's about to happen. Mm. And he's really not taking it seriously. I mean, in respect to you, but he's really not taking it as seriously as I think I would have taken it the way she was saying it. Like, yeah. you guys are going to ruin the country, all three of you. And now I think about like the power that he gave her because there was a like a little extract where he was comparing her to like a prophetess. And just like that idea of like, even if other people around her do not recognize her power, there's that like feminine energy that she was bringing to the situation or intuition that I think a lot of women have where she could foresee the future happening. And the men, because of their ego, they just didn't see it. And like the polarization, they didn't see it. And they were busy fighting about petty things. And she was just here, like, look beyond the petty and see like where your future is going. And they just didn't see it. I love her character. Same. And Kim would have had like a love relation, would have had a love relationship. But I didn't see them together only yeah. because of the fact that it, because of the way it came treated women, I couldn't see them together because she's not someone that would just be like subservient. Subserv- I think they were better as friends. They were very, they worked very well as friends. Yeah, and Chris like respected space. her more. Like he saw our opinion as like valid and mm-hmm. equal and whatnot. But I think that the role of women also allowed that Chris is and um, it came as dating Eleva, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and he's Eleva can't speak English like proper English. She mm-hmm. speaks pidgin English, and from an outsider's point of view, you might think, oh, she's not smart because obviously she can't even speak good English. She didn't go to school, so why would I even respect her opinion? Mm-hmm. But she's actually very intelligent. And she goes through so much and bears so much and actually has a lot of point of views that Akem doesn't even see. That she sees before Akem sees. And this is someone who had gone to university in um, the UK and gone to college and is the editor of this big yeah. newspaper. But look at how like Chinna Chibi writes her character as someone that even though she can't speak English properly and didn't go to school, she's still so highly intelligent. Uh, and I, f- I feel like that obviously also shows you that you don't need the white man's education for you to be smart. Because when obviously colonialism happened, which is a big part of the story, it's also like how uh, we can came to make you more civilised, it came to make you better. But even before the English language, we had very intelligent, wise people. For example, the scene of the speech, which I mentioned before, with the old man in the hotel, he mm-hmm. gives this really long, insightful speech and he didn't need to go to school yeah. to know exactly, exactly. all of this and to have all of this knowledge, basically. But I just love how he subverts a lot of tradition because I remember when I got to the ending, right? Like, you've got this really tragic moment where Chris dies, practically a senseless death. And then the naming ceremony, I remember just laughing when they named that child Amichina and they were like, that's a boy's name. And then they're like, and they're like a girl like a girl can also bear that name. And the Igbo, like, meaning of it was made the, made the path never close. Literally. And you know how the mom, Alewa's mom, was reacting as in, like, it's the man that's supposed to name the child. Yeah. Like, even the man that was supposed to name the child was like, it's okay if it's the people fine. are here has already done it. And I was like, wow. It was so good. Okay, I found this quote that you know what said. I was about to say, you should <laughs> Um, it goes the female presence is there in all my novels it seems as if it's not important which is the reality of how it looks in Igbo society so you get to a crisis which threatens survival when the British came that was a critical moment the men fought and lost but there were events in Igbo land where women stopped the British in their tracks that's been happening in my fiction the incremental involvement of women in political matters it's not straightforward it's a struggle for power interesting I love it when I was reading this book it reminded me of um, do you know Ala Morabit no way oh my gosh she's like incredible she's this like UN ambassador that's from Libya and she does a lot of like peace work oh she is literally just one of the most intelligent Muslim women out there wow mashallah I'll do my research Um, now yeah but she was talking about how like when women are involved in peace processes it lasts way longer than when women are not involved like when after like civil wars and you're reconstructing when women are involved in those peace process, process 
the time that that kind of thing lasts for is mm-hmm. much longer. And then you know that book that I read with Lema Gawi, who's like a civil activist mm-hmm. in Liberia. I just thought about how like the incredible work that the women in that society did. There's this scene that I cried at where like they they went into their parliament and they were like, we're gonna strip nude if you don't take the action that we need because people were dying, oh. senseless death in that country. And a lot of the men were just like going about their business. And then I just thought about how like, cause she got a Nobel Peace Prize for the stuff that she did during that time. I just thought like how important it is for women to be involved in the mm, construction literally. and the fact that we're still literally. in that place where we people don't want to acknowledge to be. you still you know you there's two people who have the mindset that a woman's place is in the kitchen and, and till today till today there are people who have that mindset the people who say that they don't want their women to work and the interesting thing is that you have people our age who also have that point of view which makes me really sad like mm-hmm. I would, I've heard of some females saying that why do I have to why does why do we have to keep portraying this thing or not every woman is a feminist I agree with you I understand that why do we all keep acting as if women have to be independent strong women which I find very problematic but it hurt everyone to their own opinions right and I just feel like if our generation has that narrative or that opinion of women already who would want to put themselves forward for or let me go and try and make a difference let me go and be part of politics or be part of those who are making the laws Mm -hmm. if we still have that mindset and we don't want to pass that on to our children because you just continue to have the same problems over and over again I think we need a change like change of mindset I think it's so important that we should be involved in like all different kind of facets of society and then on that point of people still holding on to that view of a woman's position like what do you call it role is to be in the kitchen I remember the um the lecture that I was listening to mm-hmm. I don't remember Murphy was giving the example of how like he was in a class and their like teacher was asking them like what's the role of a woman in society like what's the role of a woman's society everyone was giving answers like to cook to raise the children to really? be a wife said to cook. Um, people said I'm, to I'm cook. not sure if to cook was part of it but to be, to a, be wife, a wife that's a problem why is the role of a, and then, a like, woman be they, to be a wife they'd all given like 10 answers and the lecturer was like I can't believe what I'm answering like the role of a woman is the same as that of a man for you to worship God there might be other things that come after that that she's agreed to to be a wife but it, it goes back if to I that, asked you the role of a man you would the, never say to be a husband you would never say to be a husband ever it would ever say to be a husband it would be the last thing that would cross your mind you would not even, you would not even think that you would not even say that it's not even cross your mind you would never ever put husband next to when you think about a man you're like oh a man should be a leader should be literally this, but you would never say a woman should be a leader but we should be leaders because we both have things. equal responsibilities in in the sight of Allah we both have equal responsibilities to make a difference on this earth you didn't say I've made the men vicegerents of this earth I've made you which is basically every single one of us individuals vice it's so sad I literally I just find that part so interesting because I was like wow that's like the fact that people just didn't think oh yeah like and if you're not putting ourselves like forward me to sell God and then whatever else be a she wife does and a mother. Is, like addition to I think we even have a bigger responsibility because of the fact that we raise children mm-hmm. and there's that beginning part where we actually influence what our children know and how they grow up to become to a big extent I think women have a bigger responsibility mm. in my opinion I mm. said that people need to put themselves forward because if you don't put yourself forward the people that will be saying narrating your stories will be men yeah. and they would never say it in a way in my opinion that favours you part of like the conversation that we're having now when you see a lineup of all male speakers there are women who are qualified to speak yeah. why is it that it's, it's usually like the men and I'm not saying every woman should be interested in politi- politics because I know some people are not interested in it and that's, and that's fine but disposition. if you are interested or if you see something that you could actually make a difference something good and that you totally do not agree with and you know mm-hmm. it's not in the line of your values and you think it's wrong like morally wrong I think you should speak out there should be barriers what was the quote it came when he finally sees sense 
as the revolutionary in this book he says i can't tell you what the new role for women will be i don't know i should never have presumed to know you exactly. have to tell us we never asked you before Give and perhaps because you've never been asked you may not have thought about it you may not have the answer handy but in that case everybody had better know who is now holding up the action exactly i love I when just, i read the entire the paragraph you know i actually before. read like i just love it i reread what's it called that in Kem's speech again yeah. because i was just like it was beautiful too beautiful it, I, I loved love how it. he came to the realization of that the way it's treated women in the past yeah has not been and great. how to been made like because the thing is i also thought part of the, why this book was so brilliant was i really loved Ikem, but then his views about women were so problematic I and mean, how like i loved him chino achebe shows the complexity of our human experience that there might be people that you might appreciate something about them but then there's elements of to their that character and, like that just like, mm, and that's perfectly okay because the human there's beings. a growth phase there that's the important thing and beatrice was there to be like no that's not on <laughs> and eventually <laughs> and challenge right? his views and eventually he was able to grow i think that's important I, I love that it came out a lot of beautiful. views i liked as well yeah. even though i didn't like his views of women and when he gave that speech at university of how like we need not to be problem. more aware and i thought that was very powerful that entire speech they gave and the way he answered their questions as well i thought was, so was beautiful and you know what a lot of people these days as well a lot of older generation will tell you how in their days in uni when they didn't like something they were out there protesting and i think yeah that's i think that's so true mm-hmm. like they would take action whereas now it's like we all have this social media thing oh it's not right it's not right two weeks later everyone's moved on with their daily life the transition between offline and online sometimes is not i mean online to offline doesn't translate like we get angry and and sometimes now i feel like we get angry about every single thing everything and it's like pick your battles. battles yeah there has to be like a certain level of wisdom in the things that you fight so that you're spending your energy in getting in the right, the right way, results literally. that you want because now I think people even know people are actually just classify us as people who would get angry come on social media rant 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 two days later make a joke about your yeah. own situation and move on and you've even given the person you're upset with publicity because in some way people the people become more aware of these people and the people would forget the fact that you ranted because you're not doing anything about it but people would not forget the name of the company Cool. So I think we should just try to make sure we're taking more physical action than ranting online. Yeah. Basically. And I really, I think that's part of why I And really if you weren't going to rant online, he was a can man you of his words. Like, take the energy and transform it into writing a well-meaningful, mean, coherent <laughs> essay or blog post or something oh than God. just coming, attacking someone, making noise, fighting, arguing people on Twitter for like, to argue on Twitter for an hour. You could have actually put all of the energy into some nice, coherent, I don't know, article, something, essay, yeah. whatever, that people would actually understand your point of view because in my opinion i feel like social media does not barely leave room for constructive conversations constructive arguments yeah barely leave room advocate i also but i always think like social media when we're talking about like power of storytelling allows people to share i love stories. social media in that yeah. sense in a way I, love, that like, I think it's how people use social media i don't think social media is bad i think it's just the way people are using yeah. it that's what the problem is think but twice yeah. and understand the power of your stories so mm-hmm. yeah that is it for our conversation point Right, so we're going to wrap up the conversation with a last question. What do you think about the legacy of Chinua Achebe as far as other writers are concerned? I think that it's a very beautiful legacy. I think he's a perennial seller, as what's his name, Ryan Holiday would call it. But mm-hmm. not just a perennial seller, but someone who is like, what's the word? <sighs> someone who has opened up the ground for other African mm-hmm. writers. And you see that in almost every, I think perhaps minus, what's that book called? Stay With Me. But almost every book I've, written, I've read by every Af- Nigerian fiction writer mm-hmm. has, one way or the other, 
referenced or reminded me of Chino Achebe's story. Literally, they have, they have. Even what's his name, Ingege Worth Younger, mentioned him in an essay that he wrote. Or Mm. like, I don't know if it's essay or some work of some commentary they made, but like people recognize the work that he's done, and you would see that in a lot of writers, even though he's been writing for a very long period of time, it's in almost everyone's stories. Yeah, that they write as well. I just well. think he was far ahead of his time. So yeah, definitely, literally his definitely. legacy is one that would carry on for a very unmatched. long time. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. a very long time. So shout out to all the new crop of writers, Jimamanda and Gozi, always referencing. Um, always referencing. Okay, that's true. He did a good job as well. Now we're on to quotes to discuss. Do you want to start with the first one? Yeah. Oh, I loved this quote. Mm-hmm. It is that's procrastination is a lazy man's apology. I yes. think this should be written down <laughs> and printed out and placed all over <laughs> some people. Even my house, because sometimes I just procrastinate. Yeah, sometimes I'm about to procrastinate. I remember when I first read this. When I read this book and I saw that the next day, I think something happened. I was supposed to be doing something. I was like, "Lazy man's (laughs) apology." It's such a good line, but it's so true, you know. Because when, for example, you're supposed to do something and you didn't end up doing it for reasons best known to you, and someone's like, "Why did you do that?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I was so busy." But if I was to ask you, "What were you busy doing?" You would struggle to tell me what you're busy doing. But I get, I get that point. Okay, second one. The cock that crows in the morning belongs to one household, but his voice is the property of the neighborhood. Oh, I like that. It's about storytelling. Uncle Chim, like, I was about yeah. to say, Uncle Chim <laughs> and his like proverbs of exactly everything. Even though that voice can come from one particular place, but it represents, belongs to the rest of where it represents. Which is what Ikem's character represented yeah. the voice of it, like, every a significant amount of people, yeah. anyway. Next um, one. An assistance by the oppressed that is oppression for people formed in style. You know what? I like this one. It was the fact that um, we didn't mention this in the actual conversation, but you know those two taxi drivers when they came to Ikem's house and those sisters surprised with the car that he drove i know i was just I, that idea i actually that, like, highlighted that entire part of the book because in kem talks about it a to lot live a performative life of rich house rich lifestyle even when he didn't want it literally and, need and how like the oppressors the people that are being oppressed sometimes you don't know if you feel sorry for them mm-hmm. because they laugh at their own selves like they're amused by their own oppression yeah. like there's an entire part where it came went to watch um the the what's it called the when they used to do the execution yeah. of people and how it was so we talked about there's a part about the VIP seats and he was surprised by how the poor people already had this mindset that no one can sit there like they basically knew their place and mm. didn't think of like being out and of their place it. literally yeah. accepted it and that's it next one okay charity he thundered is the opium of the privileged from the good citizen, good citizen who habitually drops ten kobo from his loose change, and from a safe height above the bowl of the leper outside the supermarket, while we do our good works, let us let us not forget that the real solution lies in a world in which charity will have become a. Oh my god! When I read this, I was like, "That is so true." Mic drop. A lot of people. I've heard people say that if we, if things, if the life or life or the world is how we're supposed to be, we should mm-hmm. not be having all of this charity organizations it's about inequality literally like we're just so comfortable thinking like we should be handing change to people no like the whole system needs to be changed so that people are not being oppressed that's what we need i was literally thinking that yesterday because i was reading your notes that you made i think you Mm -hmm. made this yesterday and i was reading and i was thinking that's so true in the sense that sometimes yes you're giving charity but how do you know that these charity organizations are even giving you money to uh, actually doing what they say they'll use Mm -hmm. the money to do so is the system actually being changed anything 
Are you really making a difference? Yeah. Basically. Next one. A writer wants to ask questions. Basically. Just like that, that yeah. just summarizes the life of a writer. Like you're more you're a lot more in if you want to write well, you'd be you should be a lot more inquisitive. Yeah. In my opinion. Good point. Next one. They do not realise that revolutions are betrayed just as much by stupidity, incompetence, impatience and precipitate action as by doing precipitated action as by doing nothing at all. That was during his speech. Ooh, it came speech, yeah, like when he went to and there's like a whole section about revolution and what people should be doing. Next word. I have no desire to belittle your role in putting this nation finally on the road to self-redemption. But you cannot do that unless you first set about to purge yourselves to clean up your act. You must learn for a start to hold your own student leaders to res- responsible performance. Only after you've done that can you have the moral authority to lecture the national leadership. I love that in a chemist speech when it was addressing the students mm-hmm. and answering their questions because students, I think, don't know their roles. And university is like a place where you should be able to, or you should like grow into your own selves and like question yourselves and begin to form your own opinions about things. Mm-hmm. And having someone like a Kim come and give that speech at university, I guess, would allow students to think more differently. Change starts from within you. Like, yeah. before you start thinking of trying to change someone, are you and yourself doing the right thing? Okay. Because then that's how I think it's a lot about self accountability. Like, so what important. are you doing to work on yourself before you start lecturing someone the else? The whole world, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. But I feel like accountability accountability is a lost art right now mm. in this world that we're in, to be honest. Some people will call themselves no shade. Some people call no, some people call themselves influencers, but then when it comes to taking responsibility hey, God, for the things that involved. they do and accountability <laughs> and to be accountable for the actions, they'll tell you that they're not responsible for what other people it's I just a long maze. <laughs> but anyways, next quote. Okay, you know I'm gonna end with this one. We may accept a limitation on our actions, but never under no circumstances must we accept restriction on our things. Why did you end with that one? Because... That's my favourite quote, because I'm going to say it again. Oh, great! Oh, God. (laughs) No, it's fine, it's fine. I'm just joking, but yeah, it's it's so important. You know, it reminds me of that book that Victor Franklin, is that his name? Yeah. And how it's like... Something meaning... The search for meaning. The search for meaning. Yeah. Man's search for meaning. And how, like, yes, you may be in prison, but freedom is actually in the mind. As long as you're still able to think for yourself, that is true freedom. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love that. that I think it's very important. We, we should be able to think for ourselves. So, close to your favourite quote. Um, you can repeat your quote again. Oh, we may accept a limitation on our actions, but never under no circumstances must we accept restriction on our thinking. Thank you very much. Mine is... You're very welcome. It is only the story that can continue beyond the war and the warrior. It is the story that outlives the sound of the war drums and the exploits of brave fighters. It is the story, not the others, that saves our progeny from blundering like blind beggars into the spikes of the cactus fence. The story is our escort. Without it, we are blind. Very, very true. I just love it. Imagine if, for example, there were no black people to share the experiences of co- the experience of colonialism and anyone yeah. who got to tell that oh, story. My, eh? Imagine well, what I the mean, world is. Like. We don't even have to imagine because they've already done it. And remember how <laughs> when Chinochi was inspired to start writing was because of that book that this white person wrote. Joseph Conrad, um, Heart of Darkness. How he portrayed um, our, um, um, yeah, black people in the story. Lord. So imagine if our stories were written by. Because a lot of white people during that time would write stories of how they went to see the savages yeah, in the jungle and teach them how to be and wow. I think we didn't have civilizations before they came literally the and you know what makes me audacity. angry is 
black people that come and tell you um my country deserves you know there's some Nigerian that said oh my god oh my god people who say my like, country deserves to be colonized because if not it would not be where we are right now I said serious see this is why storytelling is important because so also, true. They, they told you your story in your household then you would know <laughs> you would know it's so true you would know and imagine people like that would actually carrying on the story mm, of the country there would be a very big problem how can you tell me that it's, it's beneficial like do you even know the effect of colonizing are you ugh. Okay, let's not get into this. Which is why you need to read Chino Chavis' book. Yeah, so you should. can see. And I love, I can't remember, I think it was in the introduction for this book where he was like, he wanted to tell the story of how life was like before um, colonization, but he didn't want to present it like as perfect people. He wanted to write a human story. Oh my God, that is so in line. the complexities of how, even though we were like civilized people, there was still like complexes in, in our human age as it is with everyone it's else. It's so in line with The River Between. You're going to love it because in The River Between by Ngugi, mm-hmm. it's about colonization, but yeah. to an extent the effects of colonization but he introduces the place the the places before colonization he showed you how that as a place they had conflicts regardless of the white man they were mm-hmm. it was a complex society they had their own disagreements and agreements they had their own system their own values that they upheld to a very high standard before colonization came yeah. so there's always been people who could think for themselves who could have intelligent conversations before the white man came and it, colonization is not the end of the world life mm-hmm. carries on out like after colonization yeah. happens basically and being able to carry on the story that they can be better. The white man did not come to save your life, just saying. <laughs> anyway, what's the latest book that you're reading? Tiny, tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. It's actually a very interesting book because mm-hmm. basically it's a compilation of... So she used to... Before everyone knew that it was her, she used to be someone called Sugar. So it used to be a column in... Uh, I can't remember what the website's called. Yeah. Called Dare Sugar. And it's like, those, it's like Agony Aunt kind of thing where people write you a letter about a problem they're going through. And then she would give you advice. But what I liked about her own system is that she gives advice, but she also shares stories from her own experience. Mm-hmm. And she speaks the truth. And she's very blunt, but she also has so much empathy in her that it's like, yes, yeah, she's being blunt or saying something that you probably don't want to hear, but she's not saying it in a way that makes you feel stupid. Yeah. She's just being straightforward with you. And I really enjoy it because you, in this book allows your heart to grow bigger and bigger because you see how what people in life are going through. And you're so shocked that that's someone's experience, but mm-hmm. then it makes you more open-minded because you just, it makes you treat people better and when you see someone you're not immediately quick to like judge the way they act or think even mm-hmm. if you don't agree with it because there's a lot of problematic people and problematic upbringings that we don't even know about yeah. but i think this book is so good very open makes you very open-minded i think you should what are you reading i just finished six of crows by leigh badugo and it is a fantasy novel um the only way that i can describe this book because i was looking at other reviews on goodreads and this girl said I don't know if I finished this book or if this book finished me. And that's actually the only way to explain it. It was so good. It's actually really? one of the best books that I've read in a long time. It's a young adult fantasy novel, but it's it's just amazing. Oh, really? Thank you for joining us on today's episode of The Conversation. We hope you've gained benefit from the discussion. And if you've enjoyed this episode, remember to like the episode, share with your friends. Book Conversation is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and several other platforms. Email us your thoughts at bookconversationspod at gmail.com and let us know what books you want us to check out is the review up on myrehla.com but it's not even on this line though so why are you reading just that ask it. That's <laughs> it. It's, it's, it's a question is the review it's gonna be on it okay. thanks so much till next time <laughs> remember to read one <laughs>